favorite scary movie. Listen to their screams. Greetings, ghouls and creeps, and welcome to Listen to Their Screams, a horror podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dave, and I'm joined as always by Ike. Ike, as we go into this week, I only have one question for you, Ike. What is your favorite scary movie? Uh, I'd have to say maybe, just maybe, Scream, perhaps. Yeah, maybe, even if even if it's not, and this week it is. Uh, we're all about the Scream franchise this week, and well, pretty much next week, too. Yeah, uh, because we are officially, as we record this, one day away from the actual early release of Scream 6. Uh, it'll be the day of once this episode is recorded. But before we get into all that, really quick, some of the logistics here. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you're listening and make sure you look us up and follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and TikTok. Just look up a listen to Screams. That is listen, the number two and Screams. Uh, as always, this is a uh, movie review podcast. We do discuss movies and review them, and there will be spoilers uh, in that, especially in this one. But let's be real. Most of these movies are 20 plus years old. If you haven't, or at least some of them, if you haven't seen them yet. Oh, well, but uh, there are spoilers. So like here we are. We're we're right here. We've been talking about it for I don't know what feels like forever. Uh, we are both super pumped, super excited for Scream 6. Um, I, I mean, I'm so excited. I've already, I've already bought my tickets. I'm, I'm ready to go tomorrow, Thursday night, or well, well, as of, of release tonight, uh, on Thursday, March 9th, I've, I've got my tickets. I'm going to opening night to see Scream Six. I cannot wait. Uh, Ike, how pumped are you for this movie? I'm super duper pumped. Um, un- unlike Dave, I, I won't probably be able to watch it until like Saturday. Um, I think me and my wife are going to go Saturday morning. Uh, just how the show times are lined up for Thursday um, is either it's too late or too early. Like it's too soon after I get off to be able to make it. It's a it's a mess. So, yeah, probably won't be able to see it until Saturday, but I'm super duper excited and we're going to try and go as early as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I too. So before we we got all kinds of, of fun stuff in the show, we're we're talking uh, pretty much exclusively about the Scream franchise. Now, uh, we're going to do our top three favorite uh, Scream movie openings here in a few minutes. We're also going to do rank from five to one our favorites of the Scream franchise uh, thus far. And then in the final segment of the show, we're going to discuss Scream 6 uh, and what we would like to see, what we predict we'll see. We're just going to discuss it and, and just spitball on it. Ike, before we get to that, just for the sake of the listeners, um, let me let me ask you have have you seen or read any early reviews any leaked information anything regarding scream six um I, i've not read the only leaked information that really i've i've seen um was the whole kirby being in it i remember we talked about this like right. probably last year um, and that's already been confirmed so that's whatever that's that's neither here nor there at this point right water under the bridge um, otherwise, obviously I've seen the trailers and I have seen, I seen one review and it was from somebody who got an early screener. Um, and they, you know, I'm not going to say what their opinions were cause I don't want to like influence anybody, but it, you know, generally it was positive. Um, so outside of like 
those three mediums, I have not seen anything. I've been trying my best to stay away from pretty much anything, even people talking like theories. I, I've yes. tried to stay away from those. <laughs> Me as well. And uh, my, my point being, later on when we discuss and, and we give out some predictions and, and what we like to see, whatever else, we're going – this is purely from us. We're not yeah. being – there's no influence. There's no information. There's nothing. So whether if, – if we happen to be right on anything – that was just that's just happens happenstance there. It's just it's just luck because yeah. um, we we've not seen anything. I've I've particular I mean I've really avoided. You know I've seen a few little things here and there about people tweeting oh this and that. It was all spoiler type free stuff. It was just a a general you know feeling on the movie. I don't I don't put any stock in that anyway. I don't I don't care yeah. right. I I don't care you know I, I yeah I hope everybody loves it but I that's not that doesn't it's an influence my opinion on it. So anyway. Uh, before we dive into Scream, though, uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about something we've been doing on Twitter this week. We we here we are. We're in March, right? And March is known to a lot of people uh, for March Madness, right? For the NCAA college basketball tournament, the Big 64 or however many teams it is now uh, tournament to crown a national uh, collegiate basketball champion. So we thought we would do something similar on Twitter, right? And, and, and through Twitter polls, uh, and we would do what we call slash madness, and it's uh, we've only got 16. Because uh, God knows I'm not going to coordinate and do 64. I, I mean, it, when you be scraping, scraping for some characters if you do it 64. I'm not saying we couldn't come up with it, but uh, you know, some of those are throwaways, so why even bother? But uh, we we come up with 16 characters, and we've had polls that we've gotten a lot of good response, a lot of good feedback, a lot of good interaction, and and, and really a good results on the vote on the voting. We have completed our eight first round matches. So before we get into the screen talk, let's 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 talk slash madness here. And again, these are first round matches. What I did is I, I used a an online web based uh, tournament, what you call it, uh, generator, and, and basically I, I just kind of snowballed or whatever you want to call it these sixteen in, in an order, right? I, I didn't I just kind of you know put them in what I thought were iconic status or, or whatever you want to call it, most known status to give a, some form of a ranking, and it generated everything from there. So in the first round voting, uh, let's talk a little. We won't, you know, go too much because again, a lot of these are not really surprises, right? Uh, one of our first round matches, uh, Michael Myers uh, defeated Angela Baker. Yeah, Michael Myers got 92%. I love Angela yeah. Baker, love Sleepaway Camp, but I mean, that's no surprise, right? Michael Myers is an iconic, and that's that's what the name of the game was. It's the most iconic horror movie killers. I mean, you don't you don't get a whole lot more iconic than Michael Myers. So um, I don't think there's any surprise there. Uh, uh, Pinhead uh, beat the Leprechaun, but uh, Pinhead got 67%. So that was kind of close. I, I mean, I think that that kind of surprised me a little bit, right? That it was that close. I thought, you know, Hellraiser had probably a little more, you know, notoriety or, or whatever you want to call it. But again, it's a pretty solid victory. Uh, we're, we're talking Scream. So Ghostface beat Norman Bates from Psycho. Uh, Ghostface with 87% of the votes. Uh, Leatherface beat Candyman. Leatherface got 64% of the votes. Uh, Jason Voorhees beat Victor Crowley. Uh, Jason had 95%. Again, I mean, you, do you get much more iconic than <laughs> Jason Voorhees? No, you know, no disrespect to Victor Crowley, but come on. And uh, what I thought would be kind of a close voting matchup for the first round, it was <laughs> pretty wild that it worked out. And I, with you know, no pre-planning, it worked out to clown versus clown. Turned out to not really be that close at all. Uh, Art the clown uh, beat Pennywise. Uh, Art got 75% of the voting. And then in a absolute landslide, Freddy Krueger beat the Creeper. Freddy Krueger got 100% of the votes <laughs> in that one. 
Uh, but again, you know, I mean, come on, Freddy. Freddy's in the Holy Trinity of iconic movie killers. And then in the final match, uh, Chucky beat Jigsaw. Chucky got 75%. So again, no, I don't, a lot of not surprises there, but I mean, that's kind of how first rounds often go. The, uh, the second round matches I'm going to post uh, on Thursday, the day of the release of this episode. And those matches are going to be, you know, so I, let's, this is where I want to kind of talk a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. these, these get a little more intriguing. Um, again, the first one, I don't, maybe not so much, but I mean, we have Michael Myers versus Pinhead, right? Hey, I like Pinhead. He's an iconic character, but again, is is there is there really a more iconic movie killer than Michael Myers? I I, I don't see this one <laughs> even being close at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's one of those things where you look at a matchup, and like you said, I think Michael Myers is probably the um what what's the phrase the penultimate of serial killers and and film. Um, obviously Penhead is great. He brings definitely sort of that paranormal, like supernatural aspect to the slasher genre. Uh, but Michael Myers is the original, you know what I mean? He, he pioneered the, the trade in the slasher genre in a lot of ways. So yeah, I think Michael Myers will definitely sweep on that, uh, on that pole. Yeah, I do too. And then in another first, a second round matchup, Ghostface versus Leatherface. This would be interesting. Um, both very iconic, you know, both, you know, have some great films. But I, I kind of feel, that especially given the modern landscape and all the hype with Scream 6 and everything else, yeah. I, I kind of see that Ghostface is going to run away with this one a little bit. Yeah, I, I would also agree with that. Uh, I think that specifically because you have the movie coming out and because not to say that Leatherface doesn't have a whole lot of immediate attention, um, because realistically he doesn't. I mean, he, he had that new movie back in what, last year or so yeah. uh, or a couple years or whatever, whenever, whenever it came out. You know, that's all fine and dandy. but I feel like Scream's kind of had a resurgence in this new age. Um, you know, they, they've picked up on that, you know, that kind of formula that, uh, you know, Halloween's picked up on the, the requel that they call it. So, um, yeah, I think, I think Ghostface will sweep in that area as well. Yeah. And then the third second round matchup, which is, should be, uh, would be fun to see. Uh, but you know, as much as I like art, the clown, art, the clown squaring off with Jason Voorhees, and man, that's it's just a tough choice, right? I love them both, but I mean, you know, hopefully people give us some thought because it is for iconic. And while Art the Clown is is, is great, and and I you know I truly think he is iconic, uh, he doesn't really quite have the catalog yet of a Jason Voorhees. Uh, so I, I think I think this one will probably be a pretty good probably a pretty good bat, uh, voting battle. Uh, but you know, I mean, again, I mean, Jason Voorhees is one of the most recognizable <laughs> movie characters of all time, not even outside of horror. So. But it will be fun. You never know if, if there was going to be an upset uh, in this round. I think I think that might be the one if there is you know, going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree. If I were if I were voting on this, I would probably vote Art the Clown simply because um, I love Jason Voorhees. I love Friday the 13th. Um, but I feel like the Terrifier movies have been more impactful on my personal um, like my, my internal like uh, what would you say like my i don't know my personal library i feel like you could say i'm not sure how to word that but basically it, it, art clowns made more of an impact on me personally um as a character in terms of my tastes on horror and everything else so i would personally vote art the clown just because as much as i like freddy or jason Voorhees, um i i think that he's art the clown is almost more iconic to me personally <laughs> yeah and in the final second round matchup 
Uh, what this one, this one might be a tough one because both these guys have a very, very um, strong followings. Uh, we have Freddy Krueger versus Chucky. Um, I, I know which way I would lean on it, uh, you know, but I, you know, hey, I love them both. They're both great characters. Both have some, you know, they got some great movies. They got some not so great movies. Uh, but, uh, you know, but it's uh, I this this should be a kind of a knockdown drag out because, like I said, both of them have very, very passionate fans that are very loyal to the characters. Yeah. If any of these are going to be close, at least in my opinion, this one's going to be the closest. I think this one will be the one that comes down to the wire. I think the other ones, the first two are going to be I think, honestly, the first three are going to be pretty, pretty straightforward wins for the uh, for Myers, Ghostface and Voorhees. Um, but I feel like. Freddy Krueger versus Chucky, like you said, they have their own cult followings. They have their own independent, you know, Chucky's been kind of a, a, a he, he's made a huge resurgence with the TV show. Um, yep. Freddy Krueger, for I mean, uh, frankly, he hasn't been around for a while. I mean, yep. when was the last time we got a Nightmare movie? It was back in like, what, 2013 or something like that, 2012? Yeah, the so, remake. So, I mean, speaking solely from presence and media, Chucky's got it on that one. Freddy yep. Krueger might have the iconic take in the legendary status but presence versus status can sometimes make that upset so i think that'll be the closest of all four if i had to say yeah yeah and uh, i'm excited to see because again i'm a fan of this kind of stuff right i like tournament type stuff and and the the, the what ifs right the uh, hey what if if this guy fought this guy or you know what if you know which do you like more? I, I like that kind of stuff right it's it's fun uh, to me and i think it sparks a lot of good discussion uh, and i hope people and if you're listening you know and or follow us on social media I hope you'll get out there and vote in this um, and just, you know, pick what you like, right? Don't, don't be influenced what, what, by what we said or what anybody else likes. Uh, just, just go with who you like uh, and it'll be fun to see. You never know, never know what's going to happen in these things. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it's all based on people and, and who's, who's turning out to vote. Uh, so, you know, and it'll be fun. And, and once we get uh, past this round, we'll, we'll talk about the next round, next episode that that's really going to get down to kind of the nitty gritty, oh, right? Yeah. Cause we're in eight, we're in eight here. Uh, by next round, we'll be down to the final four. And that's, that's, that's where it's, <laughs> That's where it's really going to get interesting, and uh, I think next week, next episode, uh, we'll really get to dive into some discussions, and and I think we'll really play the what if game when we get to the final four, and then the final. Uh, that those will be fun to talk. Oh, so, yeah. but uh, so get out there, vote for Slash Madness. Uh, it's uh, again the polls are on Twitter, uh, but I, I you know I put up links on pretty much all of our social media to get you there. Uh, so look us up again. That's at listen at listen to screams. That's listen the number two screams. Uh, those will be out there as you're listening to this. So vote, vote, vote. Uh, but Ike, now we got that out of the way. Now it's time to talk Scream. And we're going to dive into this first by playing top three. Top three. <laughs> and for this episode's top three, as we talk about Scream and the Scream franchise, we're going to discuss what is a, an iconic piece of the Scream mythology or the scream whatever you want to call it, the scream franchise it is going to be our top three favorite openings to scream movies uh the, the opening scenes ike has become such an iconic part of screams so just right out of the gate it just the first one i mean we're not going to talk about it you know because we'll, we'll talk about it more i'm sure in our top our choices but it set the bar and it's it's every time every time a movie comes out in the scream franchise it's always fun to anticipate what's the opening scene going to be yeah so Let's get right to it. We before we dive into our choices, we did do a poll. Uh, again, we, we've been all over the Twitter with the poll here lately. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm and, just uh, now looking at this poll. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking yeah, at these percentages right. and I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all right. It is, again, I don't no surprises in my eyes. Yeah, no. Uh, but 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 we're <laughs> we're talking our favorites. So hey, what we pick, uh, hey, I, I this had no influence on it. But we polled you guys on what your favorites of the Scream openings were. Uh, coming in fifth was the 2022 Scream had no votes. It was a zero set. Now to be fair, not a I am going soul. to say this. <laughs> yeah, well, I am going to say this. Twitter only allows you to put four choices up. So I put the first four movies, and I did put in there that if you wanted to pick the 2022 Scream, you put it in the comments. So the fact that it had no votes, it, it could have just been pure laziness on people's yeah. parts, right? If it was in the poll, who knows what would happen? But again, you only have the choice to put four. So I, you know something something had to give. But coming in at fourth with 2% was Scream 4. Uh, again, we're not going to talk specifics on this because I don't want to spoil anything for our discussion. But uh, coming in at three, <laughs> Scream 3 at 4%. Coming in second, Scream 2 with 14%. And running away with it at number one was the first, the original Scream with 80%. Again, like I said, I don't want to talk specifics on this guy because we're getting ready to talk into our choices. And so we're going to hit probably some of these. Yeah. Uh, so let's dive right into it, Ike. Uh, usually you start, I'll start this time. And uh, again, this is tough to me, right? Because to varying degrees, I enjoyed all five openings. Oh, Just yeah. like when we talk about our movie choices, it's tough. Because while I can, yeah, maybe I can come up with a ranking. The gaps aren't that big, right? I enjoy all these movies. Obviously, there's varying degrees. But the the gaps in the in, in my uh, entertainment or my enjoyment is not not that far-fetched. And based on day, I mean, I've come up with my rankings. You could come in a week later and I could have completely different rankings just based on my <laughs> mood. I mean, it could flip-flop easily. In my top three, my one and two, this was probably the toughest it's ever been for me to determine which one was one and which one was two. I knew what the two were. Yeah. They are so close that I feel like ranking them one-two is almost unfair, and it's really a 1A, 1B for me. It really is because we'll, we'll get to that. But at number three for me – was indeed Scream 3 from 2000. Uh, that's the the death of Cotton Weary in the opening. Um, I know a lot of people knock this. A lot of people say it's a little boring. Whatever. I, I enjoyed it. I think maybe I one of the reasons I kind of liked it is because you know, Cotton was kind of a uh, important part of the story for the first two movies. Right? While maybe he wasn't a primary character, just him in general was pretty important, right? The 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 instigations of him murdering uh, you know, Sydney's mom and everything that happened after that, uh, you know, even on beyond through the entire franchise, he's a very important character, uh, despite what he has for screen time. Um, but I just thought it was so humorous to me that here Cotton was this guy that had been accused of murder and now he's a talk show host and he's got money and uh, it, it was just fun. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed the opening scene for screen three. Uh, I, what, what, I don't want to really get into it because I don't know if it made your top three. <laughs> yeah, so it, it didn't. It did not make my top three. Okay, okay. well, there you go. Then tell me what you think, though, of the Scream 3 uh, opening. Again, for me, all five of them are pretty close. Oh, yeah. And any one of them could have slipped in there. So what do you think of the Scream 3 opening? So if I so there's five movies. So if I had to put it in a ranking, it would probably be my, my least favorite opening. Um, and, and, and it's not because it's not good. Um I do agree. I didn't really have much of a connection to Cotton Weary as a character. I, I thought he was an interesting plot device in the first two movies. Um, but honestly, had they just sent him to the background or like kept him around for like, you know, 
a re like a reoccurring role or something like that as like an advisor in later movies. I probably would have enjoyed that more. I do like Lee Schreiber, the actor who played Cotton Weary. Um, yeah. But specifically the opening of the third movie, I wasn't like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. Um, but I also wasn't like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. I, I did enjoy it. Um, and I even, I wouldn't even say it's boring per se. I, I just it, it didn't strike with me like the other ones did. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say it's their least favorite. But that, I mean, it, to me, even you say again with these five, even the least favorite, yeah. that doesn't mean it's bad. I, exactly. I I enjoyed them all. None of them are bad. And so, uh, so then moving on, like, what is your number three favorite uh, opening to a scream movie? Absolutely, my number three favorite is Scream Two, the Scream Two opening. Um, the Scream Two opening, iconic. I mean, you have not only do you have two very, very interesting kills. Um, I think one of the, the first one where he's, uh, you know, killed through the bathroom stall, um, you know, super interesting. The second one, she's killed in a literal movie theater about the movie Stab, right? in, in internal movie Stab. Um, and so it I think if I had watched this in a movie theater, it would have been even more impactful because you're in a movie theater watching a person in a movie theater watch Scream 1, basically getting murdered while watching it. Um, But absolutely. Scream 2 had a really cool opening. Very meta. Very interesting. Very Wes Craven-esque. And definitely it's great. I I wish I could have put it higher. But uh, yeah, Scream 2 is super fantastic. Super fun. Yep, I'm I'm going to refrain from discussing it yet because it will come back up. So and uh, I, I guess that that's going to spoil everything here because I'm telling you, mine's going to mine's mine's surprising. It, it's going to surprise the people. But this really? is my favorites, my enjoyable. My number two, my number two favorite opening to a Scream movie. Is the first one from Scream Night Tonight. And again, Same. they're so damn close. Yeah. It, it is it's whatever else. But um, uh, there is. No bones about it. The first one is is absolutely iconic. It it um everything about it just it blows you away because you had Drew Barrymore who is a is is a huge huge star who was cast in this movie originally to play Sydney Prescott. That's yep. that's what she was cast for. That's what sold the movie is her involvement. And then she chose to play this because of the shock value. She went to, to West Craven and thought, hey, this would be fun. This would be, you know, and she was dead on right. There is, I maybe you can, if you dig deep enough, maybe you can come up with something. But I am hard pressed to say that at 1996, at that point, you'd be very hard to find a movie that had kind of a an opening kill sequence like that that made you go, whoa, <laughs> more than this one. Because literally, if you see a movie come up and you see Drew Barrymore on the screen, you're thinking, oh, you're automatically assuming hey, she's a major character in this movie. Yeah. And she's and clearly not. But the whole scene is so great. I love the kill. I mean, there's all the all the cliches that it became iconic for the screen franchise. This is where they started. Right. The phone call, the the, the trivia questions, the the, the catchphrases and the, and the questions. But I one thing that seals this for me, I absolutely get chills still to that part where the parents come home and they're trying to find her and they pick the phone up to call the police and they can hear her. Yeah. The mom can hear her on the phone trying to gasp and trying to, that to me is so cool. So well done. Uh, and it's just, it's so clever. It, it's, it's, I ah, just love it. 
So um, I, I'm guessing like that. I mean, this is probably got to be one of your top two, right? Yep. It was my number two as well, actually. Okay. Um, All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, my number one is going to be very shocking, I think. But, yeah, my, my number two was also Scream. Um, it, I should say the original Scream. Uh, you know, it, it was one of those things where as a young uh, viewer of horror, um, when I got when I got around to watching the first Scream movie, it, 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 that kind of scene sticks with you. And you're yeah. right. You'd be incredibly hard pressed to find a opening sequence in any genre that has the level of impact and the le- level of cultural relevance that Scream had and has. I mean, the movie Scream has had such a paramount and I mean absolutely incredibly large and broad effect on not only the horror genre, but other genres, you know, adjacent to it. Um, And this scene, it it is the pinnacle. It it is a work of art. And in a lot of ways, I feel like a lot of people, when they watch Scream, this is their first introduction to what they're about to watch. And, And even beyond this, in the years that have passed, I mean, that opening scene has brought up so much speculation about the movie because as we all know in scream the the killers are Stu mocker and billy loomis the opening scene is one of the most highly debated scenes of all time because they're trying to figure out who killed casey becker is it both yeah. of them is it one of them were they both there were they both not there you know so yeah oh, yeah so <laughs> hey let's discuss this a little again Take, I mean, give it context. This is 1996, yeah. right? There is not this overabundance of internet, right? No one's got right. their internet at their phone, at their fingertips. You have a movie that you're going to see. It's a horror movie. And you see the list of people that are in this movie and you see Drew Barrymore. You're automatically going to assume major character, right? It's Drew Barrymore. She's the biggest name in this movie at that time, right? And uh, I mean, that's no offense to anybody else, but come on. I mean, and then... So and when you see it, I don't I mean, I'd be hard pressed to, though, think that anybody that went into it thought she was getting killed right off the bat. Oh, no. it's just <laughs> unbelievable. Now, to your point on the debate on who killed her. Right. There is the scene later when they're all sitting around. Right. Does the doesn't Stu say something about how he used to date Casey? Right. Yeah, it, it is often believed that Stu Mocker was the so, one that killed her. Yeah, that's that's yeah. always been my assumption because of that, because that was the ex that. I think does he not hint that she cheated on him with someone the, the 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 football guy that gets killed in the scene or not cheated but left him for her, or whatever you want to call it. So again, there, obviously there's no proof, right? There's no right. nothing was ever revealed, but yeah, it was always my assumption that it was Stu because he had he had the you know the motive for it. But you yeah, know, who knows? Hey, they're buddies. Maybe Billy thought, hey, I'm gonna take this girl out for you. <laughs> right? Said, you never know, right? I mean, Billy could be that kind of friend. I mean, come on. <laughs> So he's best uh, friends, man. Best friends, best friends forever. Could be BFFs. They might've had that, the heart penance, you know, each of them had a half, you know, and whatever, who knows. But, uh, so that brings us to number one. And I, I I mentioned it or whatever else. My number one is from 1997. It is scream Two. It is the death of Marine and Phil in the theater. And I don't know what it is about this scene. I, this scene, I absolutely freaking love. This movie has so much energy, so much excitement. It's so clever. I can tell you, I know it ain't going to happen because, again, I know there's a different context in the world today, number one. Yeah. And I know it's not going to happen. But I'm going tomorrow night, as we record this, I'm going to see this movie 
man, if I went in and there's a bunch of people running around in costume with glow in the dark masks, I would be like, hell yeah, this is fun. I, I love the vibe, the energy, how these people are all excited to see this movie, how they're cheering, because I, I've been in movies like that, right, in the past, where people have cheered and 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 and, and been excited about things, and that's fun, right? That makes the whole experience that much fun. And then again, like you mentioned, the the Phil getting killed in the bathroom stall, being stabbed through the man, that's a great kill. That is a great, great kill. And and the ghost face putting the jacket on, going back in the theater. And then literally just stabbing her right there and it, 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 and it blending in, right? Because of all the, the chaos and hoopla that's going on until she climbs up on the stage, that whole scene, I don't know. It is so fun to me. It is, it is everything that I like. And again, I know, I know there's a lot of cheese involved in this. And again, we've discussed it. I like cheese, right? It's fun to me. I, I, you know, I've said it time and again, I like my horror with extra cheese and, um, but it's just, it's just so fun. Right. And it sticks with you. Every time I see it, I, I still just chuckle and smile because it's it, it's I don't know it's fun, right? And it really doesn't fit in a whole lot of context in the whole movie, right? Because these are just I guess people that just went to the college or whatever, right? But that's the way it is. But oh man, it was just uh, I don't know I love it. It was just fun. So, but again, you've already discussed uh, the Scream Two opening night. So, what is your? I, I think I probably have a guess, but what is your number one favorite opening to a Scream movie? That would be none other than. Scream numero quattro, number four. Um, and then that will probably be surprising to a lot of people because they're thinking to themselves, well, Scream 4, you know, it is it, by no means my favorite Scream movie. I do enjoy it. Um, but the Scream 4 opening, it, it, it is, it's honestly kind of funny. And it is. And it's like, it's just very enjoyable. Um, you know, for people who don't know, it, it basically it is the opening of Scream 1. Um, where they're basically showing like you know they're like a, a like the stab version of yeah. Scream One, and the two people who are watching it are I believe Lucy Hale and Kristen Bell, um, yeah. maybe Lucy Hale. I'm not 100 sure about that one. I don't, um, yeah, I don't know. But but they're watching it and basically Kristen Bell like you know the one girl's complaining about the like oh that's so stupid it's those Terry's typical blah blah blah. Yeah. And then Kristen Bell just reaches over and stabs <laughs> did, her in the stomach. Like, did you see that coming? <laughs> right. She, exactly. She's like, do you see that coming? Now shut up and watch the movie. You, you, you talk know? too much. <laughs> yeah. And like, and I love Kristen Bell. And it was yeah. just, it was so out of pocket. And like, I, I really loved it. And then of course, it, that's the opening of another stab movie. It's like the opening of stab five or something like that. And then it gets you to the actual cast of people who are watching this movie. Um, yeah. and, and the it's movie, like a movie, so. movie inside a movie inside the movie. It's, uh, exactly and it's clearly it's it's Wes craven making fun of himself clearly yeah. now the it, op- it, this opening <laughs> almost made my top three because that it is literally them west craven kevin williamson whoever else is involved in the writing or whatever else poking fun at themselves 100 fun at the franchise and man there's i i like that right it's i like people and, and especially people with celebrity status because it's often lost with them that ability to laugh at yourself Right. And, and, and the, and the cliches. And uh, I, it is, I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a fun, fun opening. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. 100%. And it's one of those ones you wouldn't expect. And it's just a uh, chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. And again, like, like we discussed with the first one, right? These, I mean, these are some big stars at that time, especially yeah. at that time that are getting killed here. And, uh, but like I said, I mean, so, you know, neither one of us had the 2022 scream opening in there. 
that's a yeah. great opening too, which kind of was it was different, right? Because the person, the character in the opening scene survived. Didn't die. Yeah, so they didn't die. Jenna Ortega yeah. didn't die. And, so, and I will so say that was different. my number four. Yeah, that was my number four. I will say, and I almost broke my number three. Uh, but I just, I don't know. There, there is a certain amount of like love for like somebody just dying in that opening scene. So yeah, I, it I, 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 I couldn't breach the top three, but it was there 100%. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, you know, I didn't have four or the fifth movie in mind or whatever, but I love them too. Yeah. I love the openings too. They're, they're all fun. And, and the thing is it, uh, they're all fun in their own way. None of them are just absolute cookie cutter molds of the, the previous one. Uh, where it gets kind of redundant and old, and that's part of the excitement. I I cannot wait to see this new movie to see what the opening sequence is like, and, and the opening scene, and to see what they do with it. It's, it's 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 a very exciting part of seeing these movies is just that opening. I mean, I'm literally I, I will be lucky if I don't cheer out loud when that <laughs> phone rings in that opening sequence, in that opening scene, right? Because you know it's happening. Oh yeah. yeah. Very exciting. So, all right. Well, that brings us uh, to a conclusion on our top three our favorite openings of Scream movies. Hit us up on social media. Let us know what you like. I know you've all voted, uh, but let's have some discussion on what your favorites are and why. So we're going to pause for a moment, and when we come back, we're going to have our review of the entire franchise and our ranking from five to one of the five existing Scream movies. So hang in there. Remember, in the course of discussing movies, the host will spoil lots. You've been warned. Okay, and we're back, and we are talking the Scream franchise as we prepare for the release of Scream 6 and our viewing. Now, we will have a review of Scream 6 in our next episode. Uh, we're going to talk in-depth about Scream 6. Um, again, this is a movie we've been anticipating, we've been excited for, so uh, we're very excited to discuss that next episode. But in this episode, we are discussing the five movies leading us to this one, and we're going to rank from five to one our favorites, right? These are not necessarily, again, as we always say, these aren't necessarily what we're saying are at, which one's best, which one's best made, which one's best. Act. This is just our, our, what we like, our favorites, what we enjoy watching. And again, as I said earlier on the top three, man, this is close because I like, I like all five. Yeah. Right. I enjoy watching all five. This is one of those franchises that when I do rewatches, I don't really hit one where I'm like, oh God, I got to watch this one to get through the, the rewatch. Right. There's, it seems like every franchise, there's one of those movies at least. Where it's like, ah, I got to watch this one. I really, man, I like watching all five of these. So, uh, again, just because however we have them break, that doesn't mean we think any of them are necessarily bad. This is just the way way we see it as our enjoyment. So let's dive right in. Let's start with what we feel is our number five favorite. It is from 2011. It is Scream 4. It was directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson, uh, produced by the Outer Banks Productions, and distributed by Dimension Films. It starred Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Emma Roberts, Hayden Pitneri, Anthony Anderson, Allison Brie, Adam Brody, Rory Culkin, Amaril Jaffe, Eric Knudsen, Mary McDonald, Marley Shelton, Nico Tortorello, Torella. Oh, God, it's just a slew of people there, right, as all these are. It drew $97.2 million in the box office on a $25 million budget. That is good for the 84 spot in the 2011 box office release. So, this kind of underperformed from the previous movies. Uh, it, it wasn't as successful. It didn't gross as much, but it was still, I mean, we're still talking four times the the, uh, the payout on what the budget was. Right. Uh, the killers in this movie were Jill Roberts 
and Charlie Walker. Um, of course, Jill Roberts, the was the what the uh, was it a cousin of uh, of Sidney Prescott? Um, it was. Yeah, and again, this is a you know the movie's not bad, but I think part of the problem is just I don't know it, it wasn't in my eyes quite as creative as some of the others. Um, you know, I, I the approach of you know the cousin uh, you know, staging her own quote unquote movie and, and her own scenes and whatever uh, too because she wanted she wanted the attention and the adulation that Sydney got right because as she said in her family and, and everywhere she went it was always Sydney this and Sydney that and she wanted some of that um, so um, to me my favorite part of the movie though is is uh, is Charlie and uh, what's I can't remember his buddy's name off the top of my head now. The guy that was with him in the uh, the uh, cinema club. Uh, I'll look it up here in a second. Those two guys to me were very entertaining in this movie, um, and, and it was fun. Of course, you know uh, the the legacy characters, the original guys. You know, uh, Sydney, you know, uh, Gail, Dewey. They, they were all great, right? I mean, they they're they're fun in all the movies and, and everything else. But I don't know. Just overall, I don't know. It wasn't as shocking to me. I mean, to me, when I watched it, even the first time, pretty early on, I kind of thought that Charlie was one of the killers that he, he had a part in this. It just kind of felt that way. Now, I think if I remember right, when I first watched it, I probably thought it was, I thought it was the two guys from the cinema club, both of them. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't see the kind of the swerve with, uh, with Jill, you know, whatever the geek getting the girl supposedly, and then Jill killing Charlie <laughs> to, to be the, the, the final, you know, girl on her own. Uh, but it, again, it's still a fun movie. I still enjoy watching it. It's got some good performances in it. Uh, it's got some good lines in it. Uh, this is the one that introduced the Kirby Kirby Reed character. She was absolutely spectacular in this movie. Uh, to me, she's a standout. It uh, I, I love all of her lines. It's just the it, it was just spot on the way it was delivered. Felt so natural, and and it was so much fun. Um, so uh, so I tell me a little bit what you what you think of Scream Four. Absolutely. And the uh, two characters that you're referencing, the two like kind of geeky characters, um, w- one of which is Rory Culkin, who plays Charlie Walker. And then the other one is Eric Knudsen, who plays Robbie Mercer. Yeah, um, Robbie. That's it. Yeah. He was the guy that was pretty much webcasting the entire high school experience. Yeah. Uh, I can't. Oh, Hall Pass. This show was called Hall Pass. Yeah. So absolutely. Uh, it was it was great. No. Yeah. And I would agree. You know, obviously, I really do like Scream for it. Um, I don't think any of these like you said, I, that I don't like, but screen four kind of is in the latter part of this list um, for the same reason that some of the later, you know, nightmare on Elm street movies, they weren't as big of a success as some of the early ones. You know what I mean? Um, and what I mean by that is that I feel like sometimes Wes Craven does this thing where I don't think he realizes he's, he was doing it, but he just kind of started doing the same thing over and over yeah. and over again. And Scream 4 was sort of a symptom of that. They tried to kind of pull you back in by um, hitting you with doses of nostalgia. Um, you know, they, they did a lot of things in Scream 4 that they did in Scream 1 and 2. They had the, the film club at the high school. And they had the legacy characters coming back to play an important role. Nev Campbell goes back to her hometown to talk about a book. And everything else and, and outside of its opening scene um the rest of the movie is great um but none of it is so remarkable that it's super memorable in my opinion yeah 
you know, there are some interesting parts. I thought it was really honestly kind of like, I, I mean, it, it's kind of messed up how far, you know, the, the cousin was going to go to frame the other people. Um, yeah. So that was a very interesting dynamic, but I felt like the whole one killer turns on the other killer was sort of overdone. Um, I, I felt like that was obviously just supposed to be a touch base on the original screen where, you know, Billy kind of turns on Stu and, you know, they basically did the same thing here. I was really hoping that the Culkin, Rory Culkin's character was going to be um, alive longer than uh, <laughs> than that last kill scene. But yeah, yeah it, it is what it is. But the movie's not bad, uh, but definitely not my favorite. Definitely not my favorite. Yeah. And it, like I said, it winds up in the hospital and the yeah. whole the whole part of the hospital. And it, it, uh, it, it, that's OK. But that almost felt like uh, putting a hat on a hat a little bit to me. It almost I think I would have almost wished they had wrapped it in the house somehow. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, not that the house, you know, there's the whole thing with the, the at the end of the, the February later or whatever, the clear part. Eh, it's a little corny and, and everything <laughs> else. I mean, again, Scream's known, you know, whatever. It's it's known for a little bit of that cheese and, and corniness, but. That's a, that's a little much, but uh, but, a little you know. too much mozzarella on that pizza. Yeah, now, yeah. Now I will say the hospital part. I do like the, I do like the part where Gail figures out kind of who it is because of the uh, the gunshot, the wound in her yeah. shoulder. She it would uh, when they when they say that Jill Dewey says that Jill asked how her uh, said they have matching will have matching scars and you know and Gail's kind of chuckles is like wait wait a minute how'd she know I got shot in the shoulder and then it it clicks in Dewey. To go and, uh, you know, that, that, oh, Jill's part of this. So, uh, again, it's a fun movie, but if you got to rank them, uh, you know, something's got to be at the bottom. So, yeah. uh, and, and unfortunately, it falls on that one. So, I'd go ahead and uh, carry us on to our number four favorite in the Scream franchise. Absolutely. Numero Quattro. Uh, I just like saying Quattro. Um, number, number four is yeah, Scream it's, it's like the second time you've said it in the movie or in this episode. I have, Quattro. I have, yeah. Quattro. But Go anyway, ahead, though, Scream 3. Scream 3 from 2000, of course, directed by Wes Craven, written by Aaron Kruger, yeah, Aaron, about said Ethan. Uh, production company was Conrad Productions and Craven slash Madalena Films, uh, distributed by Dimension Films, of course, starring none other than David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Parker Posey, Patrick Dempsey, Scott Foley, Lance Henriksen, Matt Kiesler, Jenny McCarthy, Emily Mortimer, Dion Richmond, and Patrick Warburton. Ooh, office, uh, box office, $161.8 million. Budget was uh, a cool $40 million, And it was number 22 in the 2000 box office releases. Um, immediately off the bat, we talked about it earlier, Scream 3 had an interesting opening um, with Cotton Weary, the uh, supposed killer of uh, Nev Campbell, Sidney uh, Prescott's mom in the yeah. original film. Marine. Yeah, Marine. Uh, and uh, Cotton Weary dies. You know, Cotton Weary, not, you know, obviously not my favorite character. I mentioned this, but, you know, he had a very important role to play. And they set him up pretty well in this opening scene, killed him off, and then basically got us right into the meat of the action. You know what I mean? The, the killer's back, and the killer's going straight for Sydney. Uh, no holds barred. And the entire film, I mean, uh, it ends up obviously with an interesting twist. We, we learned that uh, Maureen Prescott uh, was actually an actress. She was in Hollywood and she was um, taken advantage of in Hollywood 
um, which led her to leave Hollywood for a more uh, simple life. Um, Scream 3 depicted some very interesting imagery, um, such as Sydney seeing her dead mom and being haunted by her. Um, and it had some other interesting you know, things that kind of popped up here and there, um, ultimately ending in a battle in a mansion where we learn that the killer is none other than uh, Sydney's half-brother, um, who was born out of a very unfortunate, uh, you know, situation. Yep. And Roman half- Yeah, Roman. And he was also a uh, architect of Maureen Prescott's demise in the original yep. film. So yep. very interesting movie. A lot of I, I feel like a lot of backtracking kind of happened in this movie to kind of make it fit in and make sense. But um, nonetheless, it was a pretty solid screen movie. A lot of great kills, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean it is a, it is a creative movie, right? Because yeah, we, we do hear in the you know in the first couple movies, right? A lot of people talking about Maureen Prescott and how she was you know quote unquote a whore and she was a a home wrecker and this that and this movie doubled down on that, right? And then it had showed uh, that she was you know seeing lots of people. It even had you know where it had where Roman had, had kind of she he tracked her down and followed her and, and filmed some things uh, her her meeting with some of these guys, one of them being Cotton, and uh, <laughs> and then. Uh, so it's a, uh, you know, I like that that it, it pulled that aspect, right? That that's a it's a clever approach. So it, it it does make it kind of believable that there was something that instigated this in there. What, what's interesting is it really hit on a lot of, you know, later the the Harvey Weinstein thing and yeah. and whatever else, which, uh, you know, obviously Weinstein had a, a part in the early Scream franchise, uh, you know, and this. It kind of brought to light some of that, that those, those things in Hollywood that would later really come to light. Uh, but it played on that, and, and then, but it is it is an interesting movie, and it, it's the first of the three out of the, the first three, not really pr- primarily written by Kevin Williamson. I, I believe that he was very involved in a lot of other projects, a lot of other things, and uh, I think he he had a lot of notes uh, outlined ideals for this, uh, but they they ultimately brought in another writer to help him, uh, you know, pretty much finish it out and do it. So. Um, yeah, but again, it, it is it's still a fun movie. Uh, it, I have you know really not, not not any complaints in it per se. Uh, I you know I think it has a, a clever approach. I like them diving into the Hollywood. Uh, some of the aspects with with the stab movie and, and each of the characters having their their Hollywood counterparts is is kind of humorous. Yeah. Um, you know Parker Posey, you know playing the the stab version of Gail Weathers is has some has some humorous points. So uh, you know again not not a bad movie, uh, but you take it all into context, right? Something, something's got to be at the bottom, towards the bottom here, right? Something's got to fall in four. And, and unfortunately, and again, I got a mad love for that, that first three, the original trilogy. But, uh, you know, in, in context, you know, something, something's got to fall. So it it's, is Scream 3. I was going to say, it's interesting because in Scream 3, Jay and Silent Bob also have a cameo. Um, yeah, that's right. As does Wes Craven. Yep. Right? Wes Craven. That same, yeah. And, and Carrie Fisher, too. And Carrie Fisher, that's correct. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, 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 stuff like that's fun to me, right? I, I, it's oh, all right. Yeah. I like that. It fits right into horror movies. Uh, you know, I don't have any issue with that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and again, I, I love Jane Silent Bob, so seeing them in it's kind of kind of makes me chuckle every time I see it. So no, yeah, I, I was gonna say that was probably one of my biggest, uh, not one of my biggest positives, but I was really, it was kind of fun to see like different people that you wouldn't normally see, and you wouldn't normally see Jane Silent Bob in a horror movie. So it was cool to be able yeah. to be like, oh, hey, I know those guys. <laughs> yeah, it, it does make you wonder, right? They're they're because they're touring the studio, right, in the lot when they're there. 
So it does make you wonder in the context of the View Askew universe, is that the time when, you know, from Jane Solid Bob Strike Back or whatever, where they're going to stop the Jane or uh, Black Man and Chronic movie? If that's the course, why that's why they're there. You know, it, it's interesting to count, at least for me, to think about that stuff <laughs> in the overlap and in the intersection there. You're you're over here like, okay, how do these movies fit together canonically? That's right. I, I like timelines and I like, uh, you know. Is Dante Ghostface? <laughs> Could be, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> but, uh, all right. And that takes us to our number three favorite of the Scream franchise from 1997, Scream 2. Uh, directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson. The production company was Conrad Productions and Craven Madalena Films. Distributed by Dimension Films, starring David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jamie Kennedy, Laurie Metcalf, Jerry O'Connell, Connor, excuse, it's Connell, excuse me, Elisa Neal, uh, Timothy Oliphant, Jada Pinkett, and Liv uh, Sherryber. It uh, grossed $172.4 million in the box office on a $24 million budget. That is good for the number 17 movie in the 1997 box office releases. Uh, well, excuse me. And what, what's, what's, Fun to think in this, right? This movie is released in 97. Um, we're we're going to talk here in a minute about, or here in a bit about the, the original Scream. And there's an interesting point to 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 bring up about the uh, where they ranked in the box office releases for that year. In a note, like I said, this movie was 17th in 1997. The, the first Scream in 19, it was number 18 in 1997, coming in one spot below Scream 2 because Scream was released, the original Scream, was released in December. So a lot of its box office was actually in 1997. Uh, so we'll talk more about it, but that's, that's, it's wild to me to think in 1997, uh, there were two screen movies at 17 and 18 on the highest grossing <laughs> movies of the, of the year. Um, again, this is a fun movie. I, uh, what, what do you think of scream two? Oh, absolutely. Scream two. It, it, it's a really interesting paradigm because a lot of times when you make a sequel to a movie, the sequel is not very good. And there are very few exceptions to this rule in the horror horror movie universe. And, and obviously, Scream as they discuss not, in the movie, right? There's a whole scene where they discuss sequels. One hundred percent. There is the film scene at the college where they're talking about good sequels. Um, and, and, and honestly, it's a very interesting discussion. It's an interesting discussion that I've myself have had before with my friends and you know my wife. So it's a very interesting dynamic where. Not only are they talking about sequels in the movie, this is a sequel. This is a sequel to a very popular movie, and they're trying to find a way to make the movie different, but also still remain a Scream movie and a Scream franchise. So uh, for people who don't know, obviously this movie takes place where Sidney Prescott's trying to move on with her life. She goes to college. We talked about the opening scene in the movie theater. It was Dave's number one. It was my number three. Um, great opening scene. Starts you off on a very high note. Uh, but Sydney Prescott's trying to live a normal life. She's trying to get back to normal. But, of course, people find her and they call her and they're like, oh, what's your favorite scary movie? And, you know, but she's starting to kind of become a little hardened. Right. She you know, we, yeah. we, we see a very uh, secluded, a recluse Sydney Prescott in the third movie. And the fourth movie is kind of about her coming out of her shell. Right. You know, in the fourth movie, she's like sort of trying to she's she's sort of coming back to reality she wrote her book she's kind of recovering from her trauma number three was she's completely recluse she's working as a as a um a domestic violence advocate via phone in the middle of the mountains you know what i mean and two is sort of the lead up to that you know what i mean she had just gone through the traumatic events of the first movie and she's trying to get back to normal life by going to college and unfortunately it doesn't work 
a whole slew of events happen, and we eventually find out that the killer of this movie is none other than Billy Loomis's absent mother, which I would never have seen in a million years. This is one of very surprising twists. So not only was it Billy Loomis's uh, absent mother, it was also a um, somebody who was thought to have been a friend. Um, it was I can't remember the guy's name, but it's played by Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, um, Mickey. Mickey, who is just a deranged psychopath who wants to be famous as a serial killer. And, you know, him and Billy Lewis's mother teamed up to basically take down Sidney Prescott because, you know, Billy Lewis's mother was basically blaming Sidney for Billy being a serial killer, for being a monster. When in reality, statistically, it was probably her fault. <laughs> yeah, I that's I love. There's so many points in this that I love. I, yeah. And I love the fact that she entered herself into it right as a reporter debbie salt and yep. and she was there through the entire movie right uh, playing this other character i love i love that this hits on some real world things and some and some hot button type topics right because she says that right i'm so tired of them blaming the parents for for what they do right but at the same token where she's she's sitting here and, and defending her son right you know my my son it, it, you know almost like her son's the victim and all this, right? And this and, and everything else. Clearly she had this mindset that the movies has helped turn him, right? And, and and that part of it. That's you know, that's a hot button thing. And I love I love how Mickey parlays this at the end, right? That he's that that part where he's like, you know what, it's not about the kills anymore. It's not about the crimes. Now it's all about the trial. Right? Because that's that that has that was a that's that's a thing. Right. And he's like Oh, you know, he's like, whatever, Al Gore or whoever he said, will speak on, you know, in my defense and the Christian coalition will pay for my lawyer expenses and, yeah. and everything else. Because he had the mindset that he could do all this, parlay it into fame, parlay it that I was the victim, right? That Hollywood and the movies twisted me into this killer and, and, and influenced me. And uh, it, so it's and this is all man, this is all real world type stuff that's that's very debatable and it's very, you know you know, sparks discussions and, and, and everything else on what it is. Um, and like you said, right at this point, Sydney's not, she's not completely gone from the, the real world yet. Right. It, it, everything happened in the first one. Yes. Right. There is, but in her mind at this point, man, that's a one-off thing, right? There there's these two crazy ass people and, and this happened never in a million years. Would you ever think, oh, this is going to be a slew of stuff and copycats and and what have you? In her mind, yeah, you know, they're they're dead, and it's over. And and and, and now I'm I, I can I can I can breathe and I can be my thing. Um, and uh, you know the, the the boyfriend was a little cheesy in the movie. I think they they tried to, oh, what they tried to kind of be a little heavy handed with, with kind of wanting to you to believe that he's one of the killers. Yeah. And um, it, it didn't, you know, it, it, so it felt it felt very much like a red herring. I, I never truly bought that. he It was it tried to seem a little too obvious. Uh, and, and I'm glad they didn't. You know, they could have pulled the double the, the switch on you where, oh, he actually was. But uh, but it is it is a fun movie. One thing we talked about Scream 3. One thing backtracking. We didn't discuss in the original take on Scream 3. I know we're, we're going back to our previous <laughs> discussion. Yeah. Stu Mocker was supposed to be the killer, one of the killers of that movie. He was supposed to have returned to to lead a, a group of students uh, as killers and whatever else. 
this was this came all this was happening in, in kind of the wake of, of the Columbine shootings. Right. And they really thought that was in, you know, it, probably, you know, correctly. So it's it, it was in bad taste and they probably should change their direction a little bit. So that kind of shelved uh, the stew return. Um, you know, I kind of wish maybe they had just mm, kind of reworked it and still went with Stu, but just maybe in a maybe just him personally in a more revenge driven angle. Uh, you know, again, as I've said before, every movie I'm, I'm clamoring for Stu to return. <laughs> I don't know whether it'll ever happen, but uh, but again, back to Scream 2. It, it, it is a fun movie. It, it while it um, it follows a lot of the uh, the foundation set by the first one, it uh, it, it kind of blazes its own path. Right. It, it, it feels like when you place one, you, you place one or two together, it's almost like it's a one big movie. Right. It, yeah. it, it's a, a continuation. It's not like a eh, just completely re riding on the coattails of the first one. It's 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 like a continuation of sort a, a very natural kind of re, uh, continuation. Uh, one thing that I always found humorous, too, is with Billy's mom coming back as a killer pretty early on in the movie. Uh, I believe it's when uh, Randy and Dewey are sitting discussing who the killer could be. And Randy's telling some of the rules of the sequels and everything else. He he mentions uh, Pamela Voorhees and yeah. how she was like, oh, a great killer because no one suspected this and that and whatever. Almost foreshadowing <laughs> that that you know that that the, the mom being you know I, I like when they you know they do that a lot. There's a lot of nods to other movies in these and other horror movies, but it's almost you know there's a lot of things in these where they 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 kind of put things in there to tip their hand, but you're not aware of it, right? There's a have you heard of the plaid theory in these uh-huh. movies? There's this people have noticed that through many of the movies, there are at least scenes where the eventual killer wears a plaid shirt of some sort. And no, um, and, and, and there's there's a whole you, you can look at it. There's a whole I don't know if it's not necessarily all of them, but there's many of them that have. Right. And so it, it holds water. Now, is it intentional? Is it put in there? Maybe. Probably. Right. And so we'll discuss it more in a, a bit because we're going to discuss Scream 6. There is a one of the new characters in Scream 6 who in one of the scenes in the trailer has a jacket where there's plaid, like a plaid lining showing. So people have already wondered, oh, is it one of the killers or have they now, you know, understood that people have caught on to this. So now they're <laughs> put the red herring in to kind of flip the flip the script on them. Uh, I, I kind of think it's a later. But anyway. I mean, there's there's but there's lots of things like that, right, where they they plant things th- that when you go back at subsequent viewings, you see things are like, oh, there there's some clues there that you don't really catch maybe in the first viewing. Right. Where it, it, lots it, it's a lot of times these movies are a little deeper than what you take them for in, in their first viewing. Right. I mean, it's there's a lot more there uh, that once you know the full story and who the eventual killer is, you, you kind of see a lot more the next time you watch it. So. No, absolutely. All um, right. And I, I was say before we move on, I was going to mention just briefly because I forgot to mention him. And when we we're talking about three, um, Jamie Kennedy's character, uh, Randy Meeks, he uh-huh. is in this movie. Um, he unfortunately dies in Scream 2, uh, but he also was in Scream 3 briefly as a videotape. Um, his uh, sister, uh, which I cannot remember her name. Um, yeah, I don't remember either. She basically comes to the set with a videotape from Randy, who basically is, you know, he made a videotape just in case he died. And just in case Ghostface came back again, and he's talking about the rules of the trilogy. Well, in this movie, he's talking about the rules of a sequel. In the first movie, he's talking about the rules of horror movies. So Randy is super great. And uh, the next movie, I'll I'll mention that again. Yep, that thread's uh, still there. Yep. (laughs) So go ahead, Ike. 
What is our number two favorite uh, in the Scream franchise? Absolutely. It is Scream from 2022. You heard that right. Scream technically five um, from 2022 is our number two. Um, so this is directed by Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillett um, or Gillette maybe. Writer is James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Uh, production company is Spyglass Media Group, Project X Entertainment uh, and Radio Silence Productions. It is distributed, of course, by Paramount Pictures. And starring Melissa Barrera, Kyle Gallner, Mason Gooding, Mikey Madison, Dylan Minnette, Jenna Ortega, Jack Quaid, Jasmine Savoy, Brown, and Sonia Amar with Marley Shelton, Ski Ulrich, Roger R. Jackson, Heather Matarazzo, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Nev Campbell. Box office $140 million on a $24 million budget and was number 25 in the 2022 box office releases. Wow. So, yeah. so what, five. One name <laughs> that popped up, well, just briefly, one name that popped up there, it's the first time we mentioned it, we probably should have mentioned it earlier, uh, Roger L. Jackson, right? We mentioned that name, yep. you mentioned that. That's the voice, right? That is sure the is. voice of Screamface, or Screamface, Ghostface. Uh, that is, that's that's the voice you hear, right? That iconic, iconic voice. Roger Jackson's the guy that does that through these movies. So, uh, we probably, yeah, we should have mentioned his name earlier, but yeah, we finally got <laughs> him in there. But uh, yeah, he, he sticks around. And yes, uh, heard correctly, Skeet Ulrich. Right. Skeet Ulrich, uh, Billy Loomis yep. uh, making a comeback in this. Like, tell us about that. Absolutely. So for people who have not seen Scream 5, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of some of the important points to keep in mind with this movie. This movie is operating on what are called the requel rules. Um, when we say requel, you're probably saying, what the hell does that mean? Um, basically, this movie is playing off of the fact that other movies have gotten remake sequel type movies such as Halloween, which sort of retconned some of the things that happened in previous movies and made a new sequel remake type deal. Now, without the retcon, this is, of course, a requel to the original series. Uh, Scream 5, of course, follows the uh, a sister duo, which is uh, Jenna Ortega and uh, Melissa Barrera's characters. Uh, Jenna well, they, Ortega. The Campbell was, sisters. Isn't that right? You are correct. Uh, I could not remember their names, but they are named Campbell. <laughs> Uh, but of course, uh, Jenna Ortega is, uh, you know, most known, I would say now for, uh, her work on Wednesday. Uh, but of course this movie follows a brand new slate of people who are related to the original legacy cast. Not all of them, of course, but quite a few of them. We learn over time that Melissa Barrera is of course, none other than the illegitimate daughter of Billy Loomis. And she is uh, mentally unwell. Um, she has, you know, some issues that she is dealing with. And she sees the ghost or, you know, a vision of her dead father, Ski Ulrich. Um, now, this movie, of course, follows a lot of the same things that you see in other movies. Um, it has some pretty, I would say, major deaths in this movie. Namely, um, unfortunately, Dewey dies in this movie, which is probably the biggest death in the entire Scream franchise, if you ask me. Um and, of course, our other legacy characters are put in peril. Gail Weathers and uh, Sidney Prescott are both um, shot and or stabbed. And uh, basically what this movie is about is about fans not liking how previous movies have been made. So this movie addresses how, as fandoms, we sometimes get a little crazy when movies don't go the way we want them to go. And this movie is literally about two people from the Stab fandom who want to remake the Stab movies they want to remake the last movie that was made because it was so bad they, they hated it 
and they start setting up all this really elaborate thing. Um, I don't remember the characters' names, but um, Melissa Barrera's character, she's the older sister, Billy Loomis's daughter. Yeah, that's Sam. Sam. Uh, her boyfriend is one of the killers who specifically, yeah, Richie. yeah, Richie, who specifically suck her out in an attempt to find a relationship with her to get her back to their hometown, <laughs> Woodsboro. Yeah. And Jen Ortega's friend, which again I'm drawing a really big gap Amber. on her name, Amber, is the other killer who is also just crazy and who wanted to remake the movies. So it's it's this really interesting long con that they've created in an attempt to basically remake the last stab movie because they didn't like it. Um, and it honestly is a very interesting introspective of fandoms in general. Um, so I yeah. think I've rambled on long enough. So, Dave, tell yeah. us what you thought about this movie. It 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 plays into one of the strengths of the screen movies, right? There's yeah. there is definitely a finger on the pulse of, of, of the entertainment industry. And mm-hmm. this is a very real thing, right? It touches on toxic fans, and it touches on fans who uh, almost entitled, right? And it there are fans out there who who get rabid about things, and who believe that you know you, you ruin franchises or you ruin whatever by doing certain things, and oh, you're 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 shitting on my movies and, and this and that. And that's what they talk about. That they're they're like, you know, hey, we're just providing new source material so that next time they can get it right. Right. Yeah. That they can here it is. This is this is good. They can't screw this one up. Right. If they they make when they make the next one, man, this is this is good. And um, it, it is it is interesting. There there's so many there's a there's a lot of cool things in this. Um, you know, uh, Dewey pretty much <laughs> first act of the movie calls out one of the killers. Yeah. Right. Literally, when they come to see him, he's like, hey, uh, who's your boyfriend there? How long you known him? Right. And he's like, hey, I was wherever in, in California or whatever. When she was. Yeah, and I'm sure you were conveniently out of the room when the second attack occurred. Right. And literally right off the bat. And, 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 and Richie says that later. It's like, dude, the deputy or the sheriff guy called it out. He nailed it early on and no one listened. And uh, and it's it's so, you know, that's 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 humorous to me. Right. Yeah. And uh what this movie has a lot there's a lot about kind of relationships in it right because if you look at the the screen movies so, thus far in these five you see how the the gail sydney relationship has grown and changed right because in the initial they hated each other right gail was ruining sydney's life because sydney thought cotton killed her mom and it was a done deal it was a science deal but gail stirred the pot and said hey i don't think it's him and wrote wrote books and, 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 and this and that. And then they, 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 they survive the trauma, get to the second one. So, okay, there's a little something there, right. For a relationship. But then in the second one, Gail still kind of got some self-motivation, right? She, she shoves cotton at, at, at Sydney to do that face, the face confrontation and get it on, on video and, and get that hot thing. And, uh, but you see how, how it grows. And in this movie, you, you can see how they, 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 they've come full circle and they're close. Right. They they've survived all this stuff. They're they're very, very close. And what really kind of seals the deal is is is, is the death of, of, of Dewey. Right. This this guy that was obviously was uh, was Gail's, you know, love was like Sydney's uh, big brother. Yeah. And when they lost him, I mean, it's like, OK, it's, it's just us now. Right. We're we're the two. And I mean, there's, I, I believe there was even a scene where when they're both injured and they, they, they team up to take someone down 
together using the what's still left of their strong arms or whatever it is. And it's just it, it, I think it's stuff like that to show the unity, right? Show how together they are. And then that same token, you see the Carpenter sisters who yeah. were very close. But then Sam discovered this 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 bad secret about herself. And in an effort to protect her little sister, she thought, I've got to get away. Right. I can't put this on her. I can't. I can't bring what might come from this on her. So she runs away and, and you know, through this whole process ends up causing her parents to split up because the dad didn't know. And while she's yelling at her mom, dad overhears. So it really sets off this, this slew of things. And then in the end is, is thinking, well, you know, my sister probably hates me now because all this happening, there's nothing there. And then come to find out that's not true. Right. And they're, and they're, and they're very close and, and, and finds out that the, the, the younger sister was hurt. When she took off and and then they come back together and they're, they're you know, ah, I won't leave your side again. Right. I'm always going to be here to help you protect you. And so there's there's a lot of a lot of uh, parallel stories, I think, going on there with the two of them. Right. The two pairs. And uh, and again, this is to me is part of that passing of the torch from the, the legacy characters in the original to the new to the new. Uh, you know, one can argue that Sydney and Gail have grown into almost a sister like relationship. And now here are these actual sisters. There's there's parallels there, and, it, and it's kind of passing and establishing these new characters. Who I've got to say, I, I, obviously, I'm sure there was obvious you know, they knew how talented some of these actors were and actresses were, but they they hit the jackpot on the casting, right? Oh, yeah. Because it's much like a lot of movies, they cast these people, they were great, but then they they even did bigger things after, oh, which yeah. made it their part in the Scream franchise even more, you know, incredible. I mean, now Jenna Ortega is, you know, has got huge name value now, partially because of the scream, but like you said, I'll have it due to Wednesday. So now her coming in the scream six, it's a, it's a new level of right. That the fact that she's in the movie. Um, but again, it, it's, you know, it's, it is a fun, it's a fun movie. Um, I, I do like that long con, like you said, right. That Amber and Richie were a thing. Uh, and, you know, and Richie went out there and, you know, he makes it out. He's like, hey, it wasn't hard to get you back here. You know, almost as easy it was to get in your pants and things like it. Just just that total like I didn't give two craps about you. This was all just a ploy. And that that adds that a whole evil layer right to it. And, um, you know, and of course, you know, I mean, Jack Quaid's great. Right. right. I mean, again, another actor who was in this movie and then went on to do the boys, which has been huge. So now, you know, the fact that he was in this screen movie, it just seems all the bigger. And um, but uh, I mean, not saying I mean, Jack Quaid had done big things before this. Right. But still, uh, <laughs> but it's a not, not to disparage a, him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that. But uh, but it's you know, it is it's a fun movie who it's a weird position to write to try to do this requel thing. And uh, it, it, it's a tricky it's a tricky thing. Uh, and they didn't one thing they did, though, they didn't completely scrap everything before it. Right. They they didn't really get rid of anything. They just kind of took another level to it, another layer to it. And uh, and it was fun. Right. I, I enjoyed it. I was excited for it. I enjoyed the movie. Um, You know, I didn't really feel it, it's hard with the killer thing in these. Right. Because you want something over the top. You want something dramatic. Right. You want someone to be the killer that's huge and impactful. And, and everybody clamors for returning characters and this and that. And that's kind of hard, right? It, it's hard at this point to, to to get that huge shock value. I don't think Amber 
being a killer was eh, probably that big a surprise when you look at it in retrospect, right? Member of the friend group. She had a little bit of an attitude. But to me, the, the Richie part, that was kind of a whole kind of moment. The fact that, you know, for the whole time he was involved. So I thought that was kind of a good twist. So, uh, but again, it was, it was a fun movie. Uh, it sparked off what, what is this new trilogy, right? Uh, the, with essentially it being five, six getting ready to come out. There's, there's going to be a seven. And, uh, and what's, you know, obviously sealed the deal that it was, it was a huge success. And it, it showed that, hey, man, this Scream franchise has still got very strong legs. And, uh, Absolutely. So, but uh, again, we have clamored, 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 and we have still got to talk about our number one. <laughs> and uh, so uh, again, uh, if you're if you're uh, keeping track, number one from 1996, the very first Scream. I mean, how can you go with anything different? Come on. Of course. Directed by Wes, Wes Craven. Excuse me. Written by Kevin Williamson. Uh, produced by Woods Entertainment and distributed by Dimension Films. Starring David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, Jamie Kennedy, and Drew Barrymore. Uh, it had a box office of $173 million on a $15 million budget. Uh, it, in 1996, the year of release, it actually ranked 74. But again, it was released on December 20th, right at the end of the year. And so when you carry over to what it drew going into 1997, it was 18 in 1997. Uh, so we, that's what we talked about earlier. Why, When you look at the 1996 ranking, you think, oh, that seems low or whatever. That's because the bulk of that box office fell into 1997. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, of course, as we've talked, everybody knows the killers in this were Billy Loomis, Stu Mocker. Um, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much about this because what can you say? Right? Everybody yeah. knows it laid the blueprint. It laid the foundation. Um, it was it, it rejuvenated the horror genre at that time. Uh, there was a whole slew of movies that came after it because of this success. Uh, a lot of good movies that came because of this success that probably wouldn't have even got the opportunity to be made. And um, and, you know. It, and it brought a new dimension and it showed that Wes Craven, you know, if you didn't already know, which I don't know how you wouldn't, man, Wes Craven was a powerhouse and um, it established Kevin Williamson as a writer. And um, it, and it was it was clever. It was humorous. It, it had a great cast. It was a fresh take at horror. Um, I mean, again, I, I, the word that always pops to mind, I've just said it. It, it, it is so clever. Right. The way yeah. it was done. I mean, it paid tribute to to horror and the genre in so many ways uh, through, you know, the quotes and the the movie fans and the and the the homages and uh, some of the things. And it, uh, you know, I mean, the 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 motives behind the killing were great. Uh, and uh, man, it was just I, to me, there, there's not a flaw to this movie. And, uh, and and, you know, it's just so many funny things to talk about. You know, I mean, most of these actors and actresses were not anywhere near the first choices. Right. I mean, you know, they wanted Affleck to pay, to play the Billy part. Uh, some other people, they, they got down the list uh, before they got to some, of them. I mean, Matthew Lillard just, I think he just got spotted by someone on the production team, some, you know, on, on set or on studio or in the studio grounds. And they're like, Hey, you look perfect for this. And I've heard Matthew Lillard say, you know, I came in and did this movie. I was like 90 pounds. I was scrawny. I spit through the whole movie and I had this huge vein popping out in my forehead. That was frightening. He's like, how did I ever work in Hollywood after this? And, um, and it's just, I don't know. It's one of those, as, as a lot of great movies or iconic movies, just all the pieces just fell right into place yeah. and, it, and it just worked out and, and, and everything clicked. It's hard to believe it, it's, it would be hard to think if some of these other actors and actresses that had these roles, what it would have, you know, no disrespect to them, but would it have, would it have worked right? I don't know. Affleck is, 
as uh, as Loomis. I don't know about that. If Drew Barrymore had stayed on in the role of Sydney, I, I don't know. I mean, again, no disrespect, but it it feels different going that route. And I don't know that it would have – I don't know that – I don't know. I mean it still would have probably been a good movie, but would have been as impactful, I don't know. Absolutely. You know, obviously, like you said, there, there, there's not much you can say about Scream 1 other than this is a iconic, this is a paramount, this is a – I would say it's one of the more important horror films of our generation. Um, there's so much that can be said about this movie and Wes Craven, um, but, it, it, you know, it's all been said before, so I don't want to draw it too much. But I do want to mention one thing. Um, now that we talked about all the movies – have you have you ever heard of the the grief theory about Sidney Prescott's character? Um, I don't know. Explain that to me. So there's a theory. Um, you know, you've you've always heard the you know the concept of grief. Grief comes in different stages. Um, yep. the, there, depending on who you t- believe, there's either five or seven. But there's a concept of a seven stage grieving process, which is uh, shock denial, anger, bargaining, depression, testing, and acceptance. A lot of people think that the five screen movies that have come out so far are the stages of grief for Sidney Prescott. So you have you have the first film, which would be shock and denial. She was you know she she's very clearly, you know, this film has shocked not not the events of this film have obviously shocked her to her core. Um, you know, she was, you know, in denial about her relationship with Billy Loomis and Billy Loomis being this monster who killed her mother. And so basically shock and denial is what the first movie is about. It's about the shock. It's about Sidney Prescott not being able to accept what has happened to her. And then you have the third movie, which is anger. I'm sorry, the second movie, which is uh, anger and bargaining, you know. She is angry. You know, she's angry that she's had to go through this. She even talked to, you know, when she was talking to um, uh, Dewey uh, when he had visited her, you know, she's not okay. Clearly, she's not okay. And, and bargaining, bargaining, she's she's begging for a normal life. That's all she wants. She just wants a normal life. This is all she needs. Just please, I want a normal life. And then we move on to number three. Number three is depression. She she's given up at this point. She's secluded herself in the woods in the mountains. She's not even dealing with this shit anymore. She's just so over it. And then you have number four, testing. She's testing the water. She's doing this book. She didn't want to come back to Woodsboro. But she's like, I'll, I'll give it a try. And then finally, acceptance. She is accepting her life. She's accepting her fate. She accepts who she is. And she's prepared. She comes back to Woodsboro packing a nine millimeter because she she knows the shit's, you know, backwards and sideways. She knows the shit's got nuts in it, man. She knows this stuff backwards and forwards. She's accepted her fate and she's finally able to move on. She has kids. You know, she has a family. Um, and, and that is that is the the grief theory, you know, and, and after having talked about it to this extent, I do kind of believe it. I can see it. I can yeah. see exactly where it's coming from. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it fits. That's a, that's intriguing. So interesting indeed. But again, I, I mean, the whole Scream franchise is a great story. Uh, yeah. the, if you all the way through, uh, you take you know each movie separately is great. You take the, the the five as a whole up to this point. It's it's one nice big story. It all fits together and it builds on. It's it's great. And that's that's part of the fun, right? We're, we 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 very quickly become invested in these characters uh, through these movies, and that's what makes them you know as a level, right? When you, you care 
right? You yeah. care about these movies and these characters and what it happened. So, all right, we've rambled along. So let's uh, let's pause for one moment. We'll come back and just very briefly, very quickly, we'll discuss uh, Scream 6 and our predictions just a little bit and close out the show. Listen to Their Screams is now a Fangoria collaborator. Get 20% off your order at shop.fangoria.com by using the promo code listen to screams at checkout. That is listen to number two and screams. Or you can click the link in the show notes. Okay, we're back here. Uh, very quickly, Ike, uh, we are on the early release day as this is being released for Scream 6. Yes. Let's talk. We're, we're both going to be seeing it here shortly, right? And uh, both excited, both have been and, you know anticipating this. Uh, we've we've avoided all the online uh, rigmarole and everything else uh, to, to to try to get the full enjoyment out of this. Ike, tell me what would you like to see, uh, or or what predictions do you have for Scream Six? Do you have anything that popped to mind? Oh, Oh, one hundred thousand percent. Hell yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna hit you with my first one. All right, so I, I brought up the grief theory for a reason, and I believe the reason that that is important is because. This movie, Nev Campbell's gonna die. I know they said she's not in it. I, I'm firmly believing that it's a smokescreen. And I'm going to guess that either A, she is the opening kill scene, or B, she is going to come face to face with who another prediction, Stu Mocker, is coming back in this movie. And here's my guess. And this is kind of related to Stu Mocker. We saw a scene in the trailer where there's all these ghost face like mannequins yep, and they're talking about like, you know, it's a shrine. Yep. A lot of movies have done this before. And I think this movie can pull it off. This is going to be about the cult of Ghostface. Stu Mocker is the head of the cult of Ghostface. The Ghostface has become an iconic entity. It has surpassed not only itself as a, as an entity, but it has become this living organism. And I think that there's going to be a cult of Ghostface. I think Stu Mocker is going to be at the head of it. And I think that um, ne- and if Nev Campbell's not in this movie, I- I'm also convinced that Gail Weathers is going to die. But I think one of them have to die in order to make Stu Mocker's return to the series and the franchise mean something. Because you you killed Deputy Dewey, you know what I mean? You killed Dewey in the last movie, and, and, it, and it served a purpose. It served a purpose to say that um, no matter how prepared you are, you can still die. You know what I mean? Dewey is prepared. He had the gun. He had the, the bullets. He had the concept. He knew what he had to do, but it was not enough. He still hesitated, and he paid for it. That being said, I, there's got to be a death in this movie, and it's got to mean something. And I'm fully convinced that it's a cult of Ghostface. It's Stu Mocker. I think that he's coming after uh, the Sam, right? The older sister is Sam. Yep. I think he's coming after Sam because that's the next descendant of Billy Loomis. He wants her to take up the mantle. And it's going to be a whole story about that. And we see multiple ghost faces. We see yep. one ghost face that has like a really broken mask, like a really yep. run down and old age. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that's Stu. Um, Yep. So, yeah, enough rambling, but I, those are my major predictions. Stu Mocker is returning. Nev Campbell is either going to be the opening kill scene, or hopefully she's still in this movie to some degree, and either her or Gail Weathers is going to be deceased. Well, here's the thing. I I pretty much agree completely with those things. I have, But I have pretty much, as a blanket, since Scream 1, pretty much predicted and hoped Stu would come back in every movie. <laughs> Same. So, <laughs> To me, it, it does make sense, right? There is there's clearly multiple killers. There's clearly something going on here. 
where there is a, a worshiping or, or whatever it is of the ghost face and the killings. I think they're heavily playing into the, the modern fascination with true crime. Yeah. Uh, leaning into that again, pulse on the, uh, on society and entertainment. I, uh, true crimes, a, a big thing. Now I think they're leaning into that. I think, I think the, the multiple killers will pull from several movies and, 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 and several uh, of the characters, right? I, I, I'm predicting that I I think we're going to have at least three, maybe four killers in this movie. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I, I think I, I think and again, I, I do. I, I, I will say it. I'll jump on board with you because I'm so hopeful. And again, we're either going to look like geniuses or ass clowns that, yes, that Stu is the primary, right? He's the, the yeah. big boss ghost face of this. So we'll, we'll say that he he is one. Right. I, I believe that some new established character will be part of it and will be one of them, right? At least one. I'm, I'm going with four. I'm going to say there's four ghost faced in this movie. So I will say that at least one of the four, one Stu, one of them will be one of the new characters that's established in there that has, that has become friends or associated with them or whatever the, the context is of, of them. I am going out on a limb and I am going to say that Kirby Reed is one of the four killers. Interesting. I I feel and, and I I'm saying this again. This this could be a complete thing that we're gonna joke about and laugh at me about next week. But the reason I say this is I feel like they have they've tried to plant hints with what she, how she's dressed right and in black and white and this and I feel like in this shrine there's lots of things that would have come from evidence. Yeah. That would have been in police, you know, whatever police it, belonging to the police. Kirby has already been established that she's in law enforcement in this. Yeah. So I, I feel like maybe maybe that's the connection where how they they came to get some of these things. So that again, that might be a loose connection, uh, but I'm going to say it because I I don't see Kirby coming back to be a long term thing here. I really don't. So I, I think she's coming back. I think she's going to be one. And then I think the uh, the fourth one. I think will be one of the other other new characters from the last movie. Probably, I'm, I'm going to guess probably one of the twins. Uh, so? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know which one. I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent. Um, but I think I, I think there's that tie again, right? I mean, why he Randy was not necessarily part of the original killing. He was still friends with these those two, yeah. and part of that that friend group. So I feel like Stu would have lured. One at least one of those twins in as being uh, as the niece and nephew of uh, of Randy as to hey you know the connection to to to, to, to the father and uh, playing on that to keep this up or whatever else we need we need an expert maybe so maybe it'll be the girl because they need that he needs that expert on on board that knows the rules of horror right yeah. and knows those things so again that could all who knows right who knows who knows who knows who knows but that's what I'm calling it. I'm calling four ghost case face killers. I'm saying it's going to be Stu, a newly established character, Kirby. And I'm just going to leave it with one of the twins, but I'm leaning towards the girl, the, the Savoy Brown character. I, I, I um, think, you know, I, I don't want to draw it out too much, but I, I that's honestly I didn't even think about. But that makes perfect sense, because if you think about, like, why Stu and Billy failed so hard is that they didn't align themselves with the proper rules. So. 
in an effort to not fail again, Stu wants to bring somebody in with that experience. And the girl would make sense. She had pretty superficial wounds in the, in the last movie. Um, the, the killer wasn't super motivated to kill her. It didn't seem, um, now obviously that could have been a fluke, uh, because there may have been no connection at all to those two killers, but it just seemed odd to me that her brother was so gravely injured. Uh, whereas she was pretty superficial, it seemed like, but that's, that's besides the point. Anyway, continue. (laughs) So, so, you know, again, but again, it's all, it's all hearsay. Who knows? Right. I mean, I'm just. I can rationalize this in my head, but it, it could be completely 100% off, off, right? But that that's what my gut's saying, and I'm sticking with it. I'm putting it out there just for fun. Uh, people can laugh at me afterwards if, if I'm completely wrong, whatever. Uh, but, uh, again, that's mark my words. That's what I'm saying. So if any of that's true, uh, you know, it's documented. It, it's it's The audio is recorded, and it'll be out there. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> again, I'm hopeful that Stu's back. But I, I, every movie I want to back. I just feel, I, I don't know. It feels, I, I feel like there's just been some things, right? There was the one poster that came out that that mocked the the New York subway system of all the killers and victims yeah. and things, and and Stu's was a different color, right? That this that there's there was that. Matthew Lillard has just been a little more visible recently, and and doing interviews and different things discussing Scream. In the last, you know, couple of years, I just, I don't know. It just, I, and, I, but I'm one of those that sometimes I overthink and I try to look for stuff that may not be there, but then it just feels that this time. Well, I was going to say, and, and obviously I, I know that it's like, I don't know. I, I, I talked to you guys last time about the panel that I went to and I don't know, like maybe it was just Matthew Lillard being Matthew Lillard, but he said, he's like, you know, you know, Stu's available, you know, and just the way he yeah. said and the way he looked at the crowd it just it just something in my bones says that he was he was either nodding his hat a little bit to his involvement in the movie. Um, I just I don't know. I, I just feel like it's there and I just I want it so badly. So it may be like confirmation bias. You know what I mean? I, I'm creating yeah, it, this in my head, you know, but I just I want it to be him. I want him to be in this movie so freaking bad. I did. And again, say with me, it could just be wishful thinking. And then so then trying to rationalize that hope but with everything else. So, but again, that's what it is, right? It's fun to, it's fun to theorize yeah. and it's fun to throw that out there. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they're, if, if we got anything right. If uh, I, I, I feel pretty confident there's multiple killers, multiple ghost face. Oh, yeah. I, I just really, I, I don't feel that it's one, uh, but it very much does feel like there's, there's someone in charge, someone leading it. Right. Cause he says, I'm something different. Well, that different could be, Hey, we're a group. Right. We're not one. We're not two. We're a group. Right. We're a, we're a, a clan. We're a, a, a cult. We're, it's different. Right. So th- that could be what they what that means. What it says different. I, 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 I my gut does also say that I, I do. I agree. I, I, I believe that Gail dies in yeah. this in this movie. Uh, you know, I kind of hate it, but I think I think they have to do something to fully pass the torch and to fully, you know, uh, you know, I think. I don't know. What do you do if you carry on and she's still alive? What do you do in that seventh to 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 make her still a prominent? I don't know. It just feels feels like it, you know maybe it's time. They have said, I have heard, and, and I, I, I this has been put out there with the blessing of the production, the the, the company, and everything else. There is a trailer scene, so uh, we'll see what that means. Obviously, hopefully, maybe that sets up something for seven. 
Yeah. But how impactful, how impactful will it be? Right. How big of, of a thing will it be? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. And what I would really like to see is, is that, is that trailer scene bring Sidney Prescott back into it. Maybe for that final thing, appearance in seven and, and, and then the final, you know, finishing of her story, but we'll see. Um, but I, I don't know, but you know, that's, that's the fun, right? That's why we like, well, part of what we like movies is, is to, to theorize and discuss and, and see what happens. They could go a totally different direction. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens. Banger cross team stew. Let's see him come back, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> So, Ike, there it is. We've discussed the fr- uh, Scream franchise. We have theorized on Scream 6. Let's bring this thing to a close. Next week, we will be reviewing Scream 6. And, uh, yeah, we, we will own we'll own our predictions, right? We'll, when we do our discussion next week on the movie, we'll say, okay, we this is these were our hits and misses. It could have been all hits, could have been all misses. Who knows? But we will own it, right? We will not try to make excuses. Nope. We'll, we'll own what, we, what we're, we're standing on here. I'll and, own my uh, bullshit, I promise. <laughs> that's right. Maybe it'll be fun. Maybe it'll be a good thing. So, so Ike, before I close out, uh, anything you want to say here? Anything you have? Final words on the Scream franchise. I'm feeling woozy here. That's right. Well, hopefully, hopefully again. Uh, let's bring back Stu. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see soon. Right. What's going to be hard is that I'm probably going to see it a day or two before you, you know, pretty much. And, and, and I have to, you know. We always keep our opinions to ourselves on these movies so that everything's very uh, natural in our discussion, right? We're having our first reactions to each other, and, and man, this one's going to be hard. It this is. one's <laughs> going to be hard to not to not say anything prior because I will have seen it like two days before you. When you see it, I mean, literally, when I see it, I will be six days before we record. When you see it, it's going to be like four days before we record. Man, that's going to be a long period to not say anything. <laughs> it's going to be but, a long uh, four days. <laughs> that's right. And uh, who knows? I, I have high hopes that maybe during that uh, that time period, I might I might try to squeeze in a second viewing. I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that maybe maybe I'll do it. You know, if I if I really, really like it and enjoy it, I, I will probably try to go see it a second time before we record. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm excited. I've not been this excited to, to go see a movie in a theater in a while. Uh, this feels it, it just. It feels like an event to me, right? It feels big. Yeah. It feels fun. And I'm excited. Uh, I love the Scream franchise. I'm excited for the film. I'm, I'm excited. I'm just, again, I just, the, the, the event, it's, you know, it's, oh, it's fun. And uh, I look forward to it. So until next episode where we will review Scream 6, make sure you subscribe to us and follow us on all the social media outlets that we discussed earlier. And until then, wherever you go, whatever you do, be good, be safe, have many pleasant nightmares.